Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another session of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. This week, we are very fortunate indeed to have a wonderful guest with us by the name of Mel Kettle. Now, Mel and I met a few years ago, and I'd like to share that she's one of those people that you wish you'd gotten to know earlier, because she's one of those people that's so warm and personable, and she's a doer. She does a lot of stuff. My goodness. You were recognized by Leaders Hum as one of the top 200 voices in leadership. Now, this is a global recognition. Let's kick off by asking a bit more about who you are and why you do what you do. Thanks so much for having me. I've always been really curious about people and how people think and act and behave. And I think that came from my mum and dad when I was a child and moving around a lot. So when I was small, um, I lived in Canada, England and Australia three times each before I was 10. So we moved a lot. I went to lots of schools. When I was in year three, I went to um, four schools and we lived in four different places in and around Sydney in Australia. And I've moved a lot as an adult um, and I just find what influences behaviour and what influences people and how they communicate and connect with each other just so incredibly fascinating. Mm. And so early in my career, when I was working, you know, part time at uni and um, working at David Jones and then travelling and working in hospitality. um, And then when I finished my first degree in tourism management, I worked as an event manager for a small conference company and came across all sorts of different and interesting people. And so that really piqued my interest. So from there, I moved more into a communication-based career uh, with communication roles in government, in the arts, for festivals. And then 16 years ago, I started my practice uh, doing communication consulting. And now I focus more on leaders and leadership communication and how do leaders communicate so they can create real connection and sustained engagement. Wow, that just sounds like the most perfect thing to focus on, summed up in one sentence. Incredible. Thank you. <laughs> I think what's very interesting in that, that in that last sentence is the fact you, you talk about leaders who communicate, and you talk about this in your latest book as well. There's a difference between being a good communicator and being a good connector. Would you like to explain the difference mm. to us? Oh, I haven't thought about the difference in a long time. I think when a lot of people are misunderstand what communication is. So communication is two-way. There's the person or the organisation who is sending out a message and then there is the person who is receiving the message. Mm. And communication doesn't actually happen until the message has been received and the relevant action has been taken. Now, the relevant action might be to um, think about how you can change your behaviour or to buy something or just to absorb that you received that message and 
making a note to think about it or do something with it. One of the things that I hate about email is email is used as a communication tool, but email should really just be used for sharing information because People assume that you, they've communicated with you when they've sent you an email, but how often do you not see emails or do they go into spam or do you just see the name and you just hit delete? And mm. it, it, we need to get away from this um, concept that email is the primary communication tool that we have. Wow. I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I could get very ranty no, about that. let's go there. <laughs> I'm jumping in with you. I'm jumping in with yeah. you because I love this idea because you can send an email and as a leader or like, you know, like a business owner, and I've been both, you can send an email or receive an email even, scan it and go, oh, it's really important. I, I need to communicate with someone about that. Then you get another one and another one and another, right? And so I love that really simple concept. That's just the information. There's no communication happening there. That's so critical. Um, there are so many pieces of business that I see where that idea of like, tell them, tell them again, communicate again. And again, you can never over communicate. Mm. And that's kind of like the fundamental reason why I think you have this disconnect between what someone said and what, what other people have heard in an organization. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a really good example is I've got a client at the moment who works for an organisation that has an extremely aggressive email um, system and none of my emails to her are getting through. So I just text her or we pick up the phone and we have a chat. And it's great because I've developed a really solid relationship with her far more quickly than I have with many of my other clients because I talk to her every single week about something that we're talking about doing rather than just relying on email. And then I say to her, I'll email you what we've, you know, this thing I said I'd send you, but I have to send it to her personal email as well as her work email to make sure she gets it. And, you know, a good example of something that didn't get through was one of my invoices to her and I'm there going okay she's ordered a heap of books I've sent them to her I've sent her the invoice the invoice hasn't been paid so she sent me a text and said thanks so much for the books they've arrived I said great just checking that you got my invoice and she just texted back and went no I haven't and so we had a phone call and I said that's fine I'm, I'm glad you've told me but if she hadn't told me and if I hadn't asked I could have just been sitting there stewing and going, why hasn't she paid? Why hasn't she paid? Mm -hmm. But she's a really reliable payer and she pays all of my invoices the day she gets them. So the fact that this was seven days after I'd sent it and it hadn't been paid made me automatically think she didn't get it. Yeah. But how important what you said there that you guys already have a connection yeah, and you know those things about her. Mm -hmm. Because if you if you haven't had this connection and those types of errors of communication happen by relying on email, yeah. if you don't have the connection first, you don't know the assumptions get made. And especially around things like money and time and how people feel about those things. It's such a critical relationship kind of maker or breaker. Absolutely. And particularly when it's a client mm -hmm. and a client who I really like for a lot of different reasons, you want to make sure that that relationship is good. The other thing I really hate about email and written communication in general, when it's typed especially, is there's no nuance. People misinterpret words and they lay a tone over the words and they lay a meaning over the words that frequently isn't there. And so 
how many times have you received an email or a text message and you've been in a bad mood or not having a great day and you've misinterpreted the words into something that really it wasn't intended for? Yeah. We read things that we are, right? Not how they yeah, are. <laughs> and exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, so many times I've had um, people, you know, say to me, I was really offended by what you said. And I'm like, what did I say? They said, you wrote this in your email. And I went, oh, I meant this. And they said, oh, I thought you meant this. Mm. And I'm like, okay, let's pick up the, let's, you know, have it. This is why we're having a conversation about this as opposed to emailing back and forth. Yeah. And so the more you have conversations with people, whether it's on the phone or over a Zoom or in person, the more you get to know people and understand them because you're much more likely to ask questions and really listen to the response and importantly, observe behaviour. So communication is more than just words. It's about body language and expression and what you do with your hands <laughs> and how you, you know, show up. And it's really difficult to see that when you're not verbalising with somebody. <laughs> So Mel, the title of your new book, Fully Connected, which is aimed at the leader, um, very timely because, you know, we're all talking mm. about moving into this human-centric workplace. How, how do you see leaders needing to get better at the connection piece? So Fully Connected is about connecting with yourself first. So it's a largely written about self-leadership and how do you show up as mm. you. A big part of self-leadership is having a solid level of self-awareness. So you know mm. your values, you know your strengths, you know what you believe in, you know why you believe in what you believe in, and you know what your priorities are. You've got a core set of values, priorities and strengths. And when you have that, you have a much greater understanding of who you are and what you stand for, but also how people perceive you. I'm sure we've all worked with somebody who has a low level of self-awareness, who thinks they're God's greatest gift, but they're the most annoying person you've ever had the displeasure of having to have a professional relationship with, because they don't listen, they make assumptions, they ask ridiculous questions because they haven't listened and they've made assumptions. Um, they don't take feedback or they don't ever expect that anything that they do might not be good enough and they don't want to learn how to be better. Mm. And so if they had a good level of self-awareness or in some cases any self-awareness, they'd be a far better person to work with. <laughs> I can see you're laughing your head off, Jenny. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Jenny and I, we both know that we have both worked with those people, right? I don't know anyone who hasn't worked with one of those, <laughs> at least one of those people. And you sit there going, how is it possible that you are this senior or this far along in your career and this this is... You're good with this. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but even more interestingly, how the yeah. hell did you get to that position? Oh, well. <laughs> I think it's called bulldozing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and maybe a few other of those, those bad words. And certainly um, in the health system as such, mm. unfortunately, there are still many people in you know, very high positions of authority who lack any sort of evidence of self-awareness. So mm. in that situation, mm. Mel, 
How can somebody who finds themselves in a situation where the leader really lacks any insight, how how can they sort of sweeten the, the situation and maybe even nudge the leader towards some change or shift in their perspective about how the world works? Do you think it's possible? Yeah, it's really, really difficult, particularly if they've gotten to a senior level they're probably not going to listen to you no matter what your best intentions are because they've clearly not had to listen to people to get to that level. Um, I certainly know times where I've worked in organisations or with people, with managers who've not been self-aware, I've left. I've just left those organisations. I've tried really hard to help them understand where I'm coming from, to help them understand my perspective, to help them, um, you know, listen more and make different decisions. But if they just bulldoze through, there's no discussing anything with some of those people. So, you know, if there's somebody else in your organisation that you can share thoughts and ideas with, or if there's somebody in HR you can speak to, then that's great. And there might be people above them who can influence them. But if Mm. there's not sometimes the best decision is to just get a different job as awful as that can be if you love what you're doing exactly and and i think at the moment where you know people keep talking about the great resignation um which mm. i think is coupled with the great exhaustion uh, <laughs> yeah i think there's been this sort of growing awareness that putting up with bad behavior or poor leadership skills actually is doing us harm and I see it as an imperative and people often say, well, I can't possibly leave my job because, you know, it's it's security and I get that. But if it's putting your health and well-being at risk and you're certainly you know, burning out because you've been you know, overloaded with everything, I think we have to put ourselves first. And I think this is where um, leaders who lack the awareness um, are shooting themselves in the foot. So I think moving forward, the more people who, A, read your book, Secondly, <laughs> develop their own self-awareness. You're, you're helping to create this ripple of um, new leaders um, who are very much focused on health and well-being for their staff, but also know what they need for their own self-care. And I think that's the um, interesting bit that's been left out. And I love how in on one page in your book, um, you suggest a list of things to do. And the first one is, Make an appointment to see your GP. And I'm thinking, good on you, Mel. Yes, make an appointment to see your GP. Get your blood pressure checked. Get yourself sorted out. Make yeah. sure you're actually okay and fit to be a leader. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. So much around that, like, you know, the self-awareness. When you do that, magic is not the right word, but Jenny will know. <laughs> it feels like magic. When you start to work on your own self-awareness, you all of a sudden become more aware of other people. It's like this, actually, all you have to do is work on yourself and then you start to understand and you start to see, and it becomes a mirror, right? You know, that I love this, you know, what lights you up and when and how to say no. And if you start asking yourselves those questions and coming up with the answers, my experience has been as a leader, then I want to ask other people those questions and I want to help them understand what it is for them, because I've had this and we can't give to others what we don't have ourselves, right? Absolutely. And the other thing is that 
the greater your level of self-awareness, the more likely you are to take time for self-care because self-awareness leads to self-care. And so if you're, uh, and the benefits of that are that you have a greater awareness of when things might not quite be going right in your body and your brain. Mm. And there's so many examples of that. One for me personally is I had a spot on my leg. It was a freckle. It had been there since I was a teenager. And I looked at it every day. And one day I looked at it when I was sitting on the loo because it's the top of my thigh. And I just went, that did not look like that the other day. Mm. And it had changed quite dramatically. And so I made an appointment to see my doctor. I wasn't going to, um, but that night I had a dream that I died from melanoma. So at seven o'clock the next morning, I was on the phone to my doctor's surgery saying, I need to get in right now. (laughs) So I went to see her and I'd only just been a few weeks earlier for my regular checkup. And she said to me, what are you doing back here? And I said, I've got this spot. And she looked at it and said, I don't think it looked like that when I saw you a few weeks ago. And I said, oh, good, because I don't think it did either. And I'm really worried about it. So she scraped it off and sent it to pathology and rang me three days later and said, it's a level two melanoma. I booked you in um, to see a plastic surgeon. And so within a week of me noticing it and going to see her, it was gone. It had been, you know, I'd gone to the plastic surgeon, had surgery, I was his last patient before Christmas and so I'm so grateful that he squeezed me in and when I went for my post-surgical checkup about five weeks later after Christmas I said to him thanks so much for fitting me in and he said oh I was really worried about it it was really aggressive and if I'd waited you probably would be dead by next Christmas (laughs) and I just went oh okay thanks (laughs) didn't know that was actually a possibility (laughs) glad I didn't know before that's that's (laughs) such um a great story of self-awareness because you'd had that freckle since you were a teenager it wasn't anything new oh exactly but if you hadn't had that level of self-awareness and noticed that there was something different and took action because you noticed it yeah we may not be doing this this conversation right now yeah yeah. I can absolutely guarantee we would not be because that was nine years ago and I can guarantee we would not be. And I have had an amazing nine years of life. Yeah. And I would like another many, many nine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. And I also, you know, I also had this really bad gut feeling and I really Mm -hmm. believe in going with your gut. It's taken me many years to work out that my gut is pretty strong and screams at me in different ways for reasons, valid reasons. Um, and I'm really glad I went, but you know, so many people don't, I've got one of my cousins had a lump in her breast and she didn't do anything about it. And by the time she did, it was too late. So, you know, be aware of what's happening, be aware of physical and emotional and mental things that happen because our bodies and our minds and our brains change all the time. Sometimes it's for good and sometimes it's not, but if you don't have a good level of self-awareness, you won't know that. So that was a, a huge, steep learning curve, I imagine. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And did did that experience shape your move towards what you do now in terms of helping others to to raise their level of self awareness, especially in the in the leadership role? 
Yes, yes, it was. Yes, it did. Um, I also, when I was in my late 20s, I worked 80 hours a week in one job that I had and unsurprisingly collapsed in a screaming heap at the end of a year in that job. And that was what started me on this, um, I hate the word journey, but started me on this path of growing my personal self-awareness, doing some of the really hard work, the inner work that needs to be done if you want to be, um, you know, a fulfilling and a fulfilled human. And mm. so I've always had this interest in it and it, and the melanoma just um, expanded that. So it was Interestingly, when I had the melanoma, I was in the middle of doing a Masters of Public Health and there were two, two really interesting things that happened. In my first year of that, I thought, shit, I'm not very healthy and I lost 10 kilos. And, well, <laughs> and then in my second year, I had a melanoma. <laughs> well, talk about okay. self-awareness school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it just made me, it gave me this... Um, deeper level of interest in understanding human behavior and particularly starting with myself because you know leadership needs to start with you like charity begins at home leadership needs to start at home as well and even though I wasn't specifically working in that space for a long time self-leadership is something that I discussed with all of my clients so a lot of my clients were um, non-profits associations small business and I was working with them to help them communicate with their members with their staff with other stakeholders and I could just see the communication teams I was working with and the leadership teams of some of the smaller associations they were all exhausted and so I'd start asking questions like, I can see you're exhausted. What are you doing on the weekend? Have you got a holiday booked? What are you doing over Christmas? And, you know, we'd have meetings, particularly with a lot of the associations, they had volunteer boards. And so we would meet after hours. And, you know, I'd say to my clients, I know we've got this meeting from 6 till 7.30 on Zoom, but you're welcome to have a meal. Like if you, I know that eating while we're working is not ideal, but, it's better than not eating until eight or nine o'clock at night and then going to bed a half an hour later or skipping a meal completely. Mm -hmm. And I just tried really hard to say, you'll be so much better and have so much more energy if you can manage your day better mm. um, and manage your energy levels better by understanding what you personally need to be putting in and leaving out so that you've got this better understanding of what gives you energy and what takes your energy. Mm, love that. I love yeah, that. I love that too. So in your book, you talk, it's about fully connected, right? So we've been talking about self-leadership, but connection, you know, you have this beautiful um, bit at the beginning, which says, I believe human connection is the single most important element of life. Mm. Uh, and I totally agree. And I love what you're saying. So, but maybe you could draw the connection between self-care which is kind of all about me and connection and how do we kind of create that circle it's really hard to connect with people with empathy and demonstrating vulnerability and with authenticity if you don't have a good level of self-care and self-care for me is not just bubble baths and champagne, although I do love champagne. I'm not so keen on bubble bath, but I do love champagne. <laughs> um, 
it's about knowing what's working in your body and your mind, but it's also about getting enough sleep, eating the right foods, drinking enough water, getting enough exercise and movement during the day. And like I say to my family and friends, oh, one of them can slip. So if I don't get enough sleep, that is the worst thing for me. But if I'm eating the right foods and I'm getting enough exercise and moving enough, then um, I'm kind of, I can manage without enough sleep for a few days. But if two of those three things start to slip, then I'm not a good person to be around. And so that has a really negative impact on every relationship because if I'm sleep deprived and I'm eating bad food and I'm not um, moving enough, then I'm cranky and I'm grumpy. And it's really obvious. You just have to look at my face to know that I'm not in a good place. <laughs> I was sitting here going, were you at my house yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> and so as leaders, we need to remember, if we're leaders in organisations, we need to remember that the workforce of today is driven by relationships. And so if you're not bringing your best self to work, then what is the impact that is having on the relationships of the people that you need to be doing business with, whether it's your staff, whether it's your suppliers, whether it's your broader workforce or whether it's your customers? That is such a brilliant summary. I couldn't agree more. It's all about relationships and how we show up. Um, so mm. I think... There's a lot I've taken away from this conversation and I'm, I'm sure Sarah has too and I, I'd love to know what our audience think about what you've been sharing with us, which has been so valuable. Um, if there was one thing you had to share with our audience as a takeaway message, what would that be? Oh, I've got two. One of them we've already mentioned. Um, if you haven't been to the doctors for a while, get a checkup, work out what's going on. But the second thing, and we haven't talked about this, is do something every day that you love. Do something that makes you smile, that brings you joy, that makes you feel happy. I feel that we don't have enough joy and laughter in the world, particularly coming off the back of, you know, two and a half years of a pandemic and it's not over yet. Work out what it is that you love and take the time to do that. And it might be five minutes in the morning having a cup of tea on your own before anybody else in the house wakes up and you've got that five minutes of solitude. Or it might be watching, you know, your favourite Netflix show or it might be reading a book for half an hour or it might be going for a walk or a swim or, you know, you know what it is that you love to do and try and do something that lifts you up every day. So Mel, what is the one thing that you love to do? What's your big one thing? Yeah. So we moved from Brisbane to Caloundra on the Sunshine Coast last year. And the reason we did that is because a few months earlier, we were on holiday at another beach. And I said to my husband, OK, first day on holidays, walking on the beach, I said, we need to move. I need to walk on the beach every day. And he just looked at me and said, what? <laughs> I said, I need to move. And I think we need to move to the Sunshine Coast. And I'd like to do it now. And so we had our, our two weeks holiday. One week was on the Sunshine Coast where we drove up and down thinking, where will we look? And about three weeks after that, we came back up here to look at houses and we bought the first house we looked at <laughs> and <laughs> moved two months after that. It was meant to be. Clearly. It was it's meant to be. Meant yeah, it to was. Be. yeah, it was. Yeah. And we'd had many other things that we'd talked about doing. Um, once my stepson finished high school, which had been a few years earlier, and none of those things panned out. And I, I firmly believe the universe 
had planned that we were going to live where we do and that is why the other things didn't work. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Best thing we ever did. <laughs> Our lives have changed oh, so much for the that's better. That's brilliant. Thank you. So, Mel, please share with our audience how they can contact you. And also, you were you were sharing with us before we started our conversation uh, something new that you're just launching, which, which sounds absolutely marvellous. And Sarah and I, I think, are going to be signing up immediately. So please share, share how we can contact you and, and what this big new thing is. So the easiest way is through my website, melkettle.com. Um, but if you Google me, you'll find me. I own the first three pages of Google with my name, which is very handy. Um, nice. I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. And if you just type Mel Kettle into the search of any of those, I'll come up. And the new exciting thing is I've launched a new online book club called Connected Learners. And it's a book club for people who love to learn but don't have time to read. So each month I talk about five or six books that I've read over the previous few months uh, on a specific topic. So the first one is coming up and the topic is connection, obviously. Um, but future topics will be things like leadership and management and curiosity and managing your personal finances and oh, I don't know what else. I've got a long list. Um, and I'm also, you know, taking recommendations from people in the book club. So if there's a topic that you'd like to have explored, a challenge that you have in the workplace that you'd like to know more about from the literature and from the books, um, a specific book that you would love to read or that you've had on your bedside table for, you know, two years and haven't gotten to, let me know and I'm happy to squish it into the list. Mm. So you can find that on my website as well. <laughs> I think I've got a few of those books on my bedside. <laughs> too long and I've got rid of I was going to say, I don't have a massive pile of books behind me. There's no, that's not why this is, this is here to hide it from you that I yeah. need to read. So yeah, I will well, be probably well, listening because uh, I'm in the wrong time zone to this, but I sounds incredible. Yeah. One of the reasons I um, developed the, decided to do it and I can't say that I came up with the idea because my friend Rebecca Southerns in Toronto came up with the idea so there's a link to her um, virtual book club called Wiser by Choice on the web page for mine so if you're in North America in a different time zone sign up to hers same concept such a great idea um, but the reason I thought I'd do it is because I read a lot but I read a lot of fiction and I want to read a lot more non-fiction and I've got a stack of books by my bed. So it's an incentive and it's a bit of a bit of a hack so that I can read more useful business type books. And I really believe, I know for myself, when I share something that I've read, then that embeds the knowledge in my brain a lot better. So it's um, semi-selfish <laughs> so I can learn more. <laughs> I think you mean self-aware. You're self-aware. That's both. why. Yes. Um, it, I'm very self-aware <laughs> about how I learn. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Mel. I could, I didn't realize the time had gone so quickly, Jenny. I'm glad you were watching because I could have just, Carried on. <laughs> I just want to sit here and ask you questions all day. <laughs> well, I would love to come back in, you know, six months or 12 months and have another chat. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Let's do that. Yeah. It's a date. <laughs> And I'll get the time zones right next time. <laughs> <laughs> Me too.
Well, thank you so much for coming on on our session today. And thank you to our listeners as always. And please Mm. share your thoughts about self-awareness, communication and connection because they're so, 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 so terribly important. And until next time, we'll see you then. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.